This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the latest and potentially greatest edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. Um, I am here, as always, with Dr. Murray McCormick, our football writer. And what an absolute honour it is to have with us today uh, Bob Irving, who's been the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers since 1974. And um, I hope I'm not dating Bob by saying this, but I, I grew up listening to his broadcasts. I met him for the first time at the 1996 Grey Cup in Hamilton, when I also met his fine son, Kyle. And I felt like I was talking with royalty that day. And 25 <laughs> years later, I still do with another Hamilton Great Cup looming. Bob, uh, without being too gushy, I can't thank you enough for being with us today. Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, Rob, you are dating me, but that's okay. I don't <laughs> mind. I'm 71 years old and I'm retiring. I've had a wonderful run. I've worked for almost 50 years here at CJOB. And I'm just ready to move on right into the sunset and let somebody else take over. But it's been a blast and I'm looking forward to the last game I do on Sunday, which will be the West Final, and then we'll see what happens. I'm going to the Grey Cup either way, and then we'll see who shows up in Hamilton on December the 12th. I'm well, kind Bob, of the, when I first met you, I, I, I wasn't uh, dating you or anybody because I was single. So uh, <laughs> I, I um, that, this can't be your last game, Bob. They've got to let you into the booth for, if, if Winnipeg gets to the Grey Cup, they, they've got to find some way to uh, get Bob Irving into that broadcast. Like, Bob, like it's Bob Irving. With, well, I know you're a modest man, but they got to do something, Bob. You know, 2019, when the Bombers won the Grey Cup in Calgary, we didn't have the rights either. TSN has the rights. They have the television and the radio rights. And I fully understand how broadcast rights work. And sure, I'd, I would love to have done the game in 2019 if the Bombers are in it. I would love to be doing it in Hamilton. But uh, and your dog is cute, too, by the way, Rob. <laughs> um, but no, I, I accept that. It's just the way it is. And uh you know, I don't lose any sleep over it. That's just, look, I've been around too long, I guess, to worry about these things. I know how broadcast rights work, and we accept the way they are. Mer? Well, I'm going to mention I'm the only guy in this little group here that's not born in Regina, which I find was kind of interesting. But you were born in Regina, weren't you, Bob? Uh, well, I was born in Lestock, Saskatchewan, oh, which is a little, I don't even know if it's still there. It's about 85 miles northeast of Regina, right next okay. to Kelleher. Oh, yeah. Um, Home of the Comets. Itoon is not far away, but I grew up in Regina, so there yeah, you go. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, Murray, you're outnumbered. There's two university, former University of Regina students here who grew up in Regina named Robert. So you're oh, totally out, sure. out. I really feel here. kind of intimidated. Bob, I know, <laughs> I know you're, you're just, and I kind of hate to put it, you're just doing your job. And is it kind of, how does it feel to have all these accolades? Because really, what you've been is an ultimate professional. You've always been about doing your job and now you elevated not saying you weren't but to this hero status this royalty has it been a little overwhelming or is it just yeah i kind of deserve a little love for everything i put myself through 
Well, Murray, it's been a lot overwhelming. It really has. You know, that the station knew that I was probably going to pack it in at the end of this year. That's the understanding I had with the management. And then about three weeks ago, as or two weeks ago, we decided that we should, or they decided they should make an announcement rather than have me just disappear after my last <laughs> game after 50 years. And people say, where the heck did Bob Irving go? So they put out a release that I was retiring. And, uh, Man, it's been just so gratifying to have so many people come forward and say nice things about you. It's almost like I died, but I'm hearing my funeral. People <laughs> saying nice things about me at my funeral. <laughs> so it's, it has been overwhelming, though, Murray, to be serious. It really has because, you know, I'm just a guy who feels very fortunate to have been able to live my dream is, is my life's work. And that's to be a sports announcer and specifically to be a play-by-play -play announcer. There's nine of us in Canada who do pro football play-by-play. And there's another, what, six or seven who do pro hockey play-by-play. -play. I'm, I'm not counting the American Hockey League in that, but it's a pretty exclusive club. And to be part of it is really cool. And so I, I feel blessed to have uh, been lucky enough to get a job at CGOB and to, uh, to last as long as I have. So, yeah, it's been, it's been great. A wonderful ride. And uh, it's going to end on, you talk about a perfect note for your last game, right? Uh, it's going to be Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, this great rivalry. The first West final at IG Field in Winnipeg since 1972. The script is just beautiful. Bob, I was at that game in 1972. Uh, do you have recollections it. of the, you have, oh, I was eight I years old it. with my mom and we sat in the grandstand and Jack okay. Abinshan kicked the field. What are your recollections of it? Well, here's, I got to tell you, this is the truth too. Everything I say is the truth. So I'm still working <laughs> in Brandon at the time in 1972 and I've still got my green and white allegiance then <laughs> because I haven't, you know, I haven't started working at CGOB and doing the bomber games and I'm cheering like crazy for the riders and I'm glad they won. And yet, uh, then I, I came here, and if you do play-by-play -play for a team, you it's hard not to have an affinity for that team. It's impossible not to. And there are people here in Winnipeg who still haven't gotten over that 72 final, <laughs> the, the way the Bombers blew that game. And I hear from them periodically. It's quite funny to hear them go on a rant about the way that game ended. But at the time, I was quite happy with how it ended <laughs> <laughs> yeah, young Les Lazarok growing up in Regina got uh, tickets from uh, Ken Lacoustiak. Gene Lacoustiak. Gene Lacoustiak, yeah. And who yeah. was his high school teacher. And and, uh, and Les went to the game. I talked to him a couple of years ago about this game. It still bothers him. It still bothers him <laughs> that Mickey, Mickey Doyle got injured during the third, during the game, and the Riders ran yeah. the ball down the Bombers' throats. That game still scars him. And uh, Four years later, I had my Tony Gabriel Grey Cup, or my second Tony Gabriel Grey Cup, and so yeah. I guess it all balances out. But uh, I just, uh, it's amazing to think uh, that uh, I still can't wrap my three brain cells around the fact that uh, this is it on Sunday. What do you think that's going to be like for you on Sunday, Bob? Yeah, I've been asked that a lot um, as you and I speak today. I don't really know. I, I've thought about it, obviously. Uh, it's going to be a little emotional. I think, you know, just doing the game will be fine. But when we get around to the post-game show and I sign off for the final time, I, I'm not quite sure how I'll react. Uh, but I'll, I won't say I'll be sad because I'm prepared for this. I'm going to miss it for sure. Like, how can you not miss doing something you enjoy doing? I think I'll miss it more next uh, May when they go to training camp and then start playing in June. That's when I'll really feel like I'm, I'm missing something. But uh I don't know how I'm going to react on Sunday. I guess I'll wait and see. Kind of, Bob, if you look at your life over 50 years, you stayed in radio because so many things have changed. Like every game's on TV now. Like back when you started, for most of us, it was the radio was the only way we could get the games. Yeah. And now, it's, how have you 
managed to keep it relevant and fresh despite all the every game's on TV, every game's streamed, there's every interviews on TV. How do you keep yeah. your job fresh with all these other things out there? Yeah, well, we do a two-hour pregame show, Murray, as you know. You and Rob both know you've been on it a million times. Uh, yeah. so, We're still you know, waiting for that the, check. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll get to work on that when we're done here. Uh, it's the same as we're think, paying Bob to do this podcast, so we're all yeah, even. Okay. Well, it's reciprocal, right? Yeah. Um, so I, we work real hard uh, on making our pregame show as inter- interesting as we can because, yeah, the game is on TV, but the two hours leading up, if you're a big Bomber fan, and there's thousands of them here, you want to hear the preamble and everything leading into it. So that's a big part of what we do. And then the postgame show, too. You know, if there's 30,000 people in the stadium, they all jump in their cars and they're Virtually all of them are listening to the post-game show. In terms of the games being on TV, Murray, that's just a reality. But there's still lots. Of, I mean, our numbers on radio tell us there's still lots of people listening out in their cars, shopping or whatever. They're sort of casual fans, but they still want to know what's going on with the game. And then here, in, and it's the same in Saskatchewan, I guess. I've heard this from a million people. If the Bombers are playing on a Friday or a Saturday night in the summer, the campgrounds are packed, Right. And if you're sitting in a campground on a Friday or Saturday night in Manitoba and the Bombers are playing, all you can hear is radios, uh, you know, with the, with the game on because people, there's enough Bomber fans in the campground. They're not full of them, but there's enough of them that they got the radios on. I've had people say, yeah, I was in the campground Friday and I heard your voice blaring through the trees and all that. So there's still a spot for radio. It's still relevant. Well, we still, uh, my ticket to Bob Irving a lot of day, days hasn't been CJOB, it comes in kind of faintly in Regina. In the days before right. streaming and all this, CKDM, 730 in Dolphin. Yes, was, they carry our games, yeah. was the, And they've been doing that for forever. And so I've heard time. you on CK, CKDM more than I've heard you on CJOB, actually. And that just right. booms into Regina day and night. So yeah. as far back as I could go, even in the pre-cable television days, I was finding a, a kind of a conduit to uh, to be able to hear these these games. And what blows me away, I can't think of another active link in the Canadian Football League to Ron Lancaster and George Reed and when they played. Uh, once upon mm. a time, you know, Dwayne Mandrusiak was was kind of that link, but I can't think of anybody who's had that kind of service. What was it like to call a game with Ronnie and George, especially considering your Saskatchewan roots? Well, Ronnie Lancaster is one of the wonderful characters in the history of this league, and I just loved any time I was around him or talked to him or had a chance to watch him play uh, and it was so the day he passed away and we found out he passed away was really a sad day because you know when we went to Hamilton and he was in Hamilton all those years at the end of his life we just couldn't wait to, to see Ronnie I consider George Reed and I I know George still alive and I've I haven't seen him for a couple of years but I've seen him periodically over the years uh, in my view he's the best running back this Canadian football he's ever had he and Leo Lewis of the of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and I know they talk about Mike Pringle breaking his record. George Reed was better than Mike Pringle, in my humble opinion. That's and it's a, all a matter of opinion because their records are quite similar. But no, there was nobody better than George Reed. When people talk to me about running backs in the CFL, I say there's two of them: Leo Lewis, who Bud Grant called the greatest football player he ever coached, and George Reed. Those are the two guys to me that are right up on top of that pedestal. And they're also, you know, I mentioned George Reed and Ron Lasser, all-star people too. Yes. Which I think, yeah. again, you can go out with George Reed. I'll see him at Safeway because he lives in my neighborhood. And people will stop and talk to him. Again, he's pushing his cart and he'll say hi to them and acknowledge them. Ron yeah. Lancaster, I can tell stories of my my interactions with Ron um, as a young beat. Not as a young, but some some sort of you were helping never out on the beat. No, helping out on the beat <laughs> when he was with Edmonton. And 
That's yeah. kind of well, things. And I think sometimes CFLs can look at what these older guys have done and how yeah. their contributions have extended far beyond the field and field and stadiums. And I think Ron Lancaster and Georgie are usually among the best of them. Well, Ronnie was great. So was George. And Rob, you mentioned Tony Gabriel uh, and that game where he caught the, the pass. Was it Ted Provo who was supposed to be covering him? It, uh, it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I've seen Tony Gabriel over the years, and he's another sort of Canadian football icon who you just love to run into because, yeah. you know, he's engaging and he loves to talk about the good old days. And, of course, I go back, so do you, Rob, to the good old days. Not so much you, Murray, or one of the younger guys, right? But, uh, <laughs> no, those, those guys are those guys are absolute uh, gems of people who've been in the – there's all kinds of them out there. They're – they're everywhere, and uh, they're just wonderful to run into and just reminisce about the good old days with. <laughs> and that's one of the things I love, the main things I love about the CFL. I mean, I've been a Denver Bronco fan all my life, or most of my life. Uh, I don't think I'll ever meet Peyton Manning. I don't think I'll ever meet John Elway. I don't yeah. think, I met Randy Gratishar. That was cool. Um, I don't think I'll, you know, you just, if you're a New England Patriots or Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, you can love Tom Brady. You're probably not going to meet him. If you want to meet Cody Fajardo, if you want to meet Zach Kalaros, just go to practice. Mm -hmm. They might yeah. carry the conversation. And that was that way with Ronnie and George, still is that way with George. That's been the charm of the Canadian Football League for me, is that the fans can feel that direct tie with the players because they aren't just somebody on TV. They aren't just somebody on a on a, that's that's distant, that's on an Instagram account. They're they're tangible, they're real. And the fans might be making more money than the players in some cases. It's re yeah. it's so relatable and so accessible. And even in these COVID times where there's six feet of distance between everything, you can still feel that. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I think that's always been one of the great things about the Canadian Football League is the players are accessible. And most of them are just guys like you and me, right? There's no airs about them. And man, oh man, the characters in the Canadian Football League over the years. I, I kid with the guys who cover the NHL because... You know, you talk about oh, good luck. lousy quotes and guys who are programmed. <laughs> well, some of these guys in the Canadian Football League, and, you know, Simone Lawrence, and I go on and on about Patrick Levels last weekend, you know, that we had Tyrone Jones and James West and those guys. Oh, man, oh. oh, man, the characters wow. in this league. We've had lots in Saskatchewan, too. For us, that yeah, they're uh, to a degree, a large degree anyway, what makes covering the league fun is because these people are fun to interact with and interview and talk to and everything else, so. I've had a brain cramp here, here, sir. Murray, we just got to take a break. Sorry about this. Uh, we, I'm, ma I'm mandated by authorities far more powerful than me to ensure that there's a brief intermission in this so that they can put something in there. And so we will, uh, we'll talk a little bit more with Bob about, uh, about his remark remarkable career, which is actually a book or a documentary. We'll try to condense it. And then we'll get into the mechanics and what we expect to see Sunday when the Riders play the Bombers in the West final in Winnipeg for the first time since 1972. Please bear with us. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back with the Rider Rumblings video podcast. Uh, Marie McCormick is uh, with me as always. And as I mentioned earlier, the wonderful Bob Irving, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Murray, you were going to ask a question before I so rudely interrupted you. 
it's not really related to anything, but Les Brown, I made my young backup career talk into Les Brown. He was okay. he talked about the characters and he would just fill my notepad up and stuff up. And, Oh, Les yeah. Brown is a great orchestra leader. Leapfrog is yeah. a great big band yeah. song. But I just go. <laughs> Bob, you know, I know this is you know today in the ref in the rider world, the big announcement was uh, was Lucius Purifoy, and mm. the riders was involved in the incident on Sunday night, and the riders were out in front of it today, kind of trying to get their side of the story. Get their, do you remember when that would happen in the league, and we would never hear about it too? In yeah. those days, that there would be hit like not too recently, too far back, but it just it was an interesting way for the riders to be out there in front of this. To get this all up and sort of avoid it being a distraction heading into this West Final, but I know you've yeah. been around for a while. No, I think they did the right thing there. And the thing is, Murray, and you guys both know this with the the phone cameras today and everything. You know, there's no way you can do anything and not have the world find out about it within 24 hours. The Bombers had an incident here a few weeks ago with Kenny Lawler, who was charged with impaired driving, and they immediately, the morning of that, they found out. They held a news conference. They put out a release, got in front of it, just like they did with Lucius Purifoy, uh, suspended him for a game, and he got up in front of the media and explained, apologized, and all the rest of it. And then it was forgotten. You know, not forgotten, but it was it was behind them. And that's just the way to do it. And the writers, I think, did exactly the right thing here. And so kudos to them. Get it dealt with. Don't let it linger. You know, don't deny anything or try to hide anything because you can't today. You can't hide anything today, really. So, yeah, good for them. I think they did it exactly right. Bob, and what are you expecting to see on Sunday? Well, the weather, first of all, they tell us is going to be around minus five, although the forecast changes every day, uh, and a chance of some light snow. And that'd be really good for December 5th, because that's the one thing <laughs> we wondered about when we knew the West Fire was going to be here. Could it be minus 22? Well, it could be, but it's not going to be. So that's great. Um, look, the Bombers had a great year, as you guys know, a, a year for the ages probably the best bomber team that I've seen in all the years I've covered them. And I covered some good ones when Cal Murphy was here and the year they were 14 and four and won 12 games in a row. This is a better team than that team that won uh, 12 games in a row. And they lost their last two this year, but they were meaningless games. I'm convinced they'd have been 13 and one if those games meant anything. Uh, and, and just the scores by which they won some of their games. And you guys know they beat the Rough Riders fairly handily in both those games. So I know they're going to be heavily favored. Uh, they're going to have to control Cody Fajardo's running. He's, I mean, he helped win the game against uh, Calgary with his running on the semifinal game with his running. I mean, that's one of his strengths for sure. And it makes him a dangerous guy beyond, you know, his passing. So I think if they can sort of keep Fajardo off balance and they've been able to do that the two games this year and uh, to a degree in the, in the West uh, final in 2019, although, you know, that game could have gone either way, and the Riders had bigger numbers than the Bombers did in terms of offense. But I think if they can handle Fajardo, I think they'll win the game. Uh, you know, and look, I know all things are possible. I, You guys remember 1989 when the 9 and 9 uh -huh. Riders went in and beat a 16 and 2 Edmonton team. So I don't take anything for granted. All things are possible. And Saskatchewan is a good team. They were 9 and 5. I mean, this is a good team. So they could win. But uh, the Bombers are healthy. We don't know about Andrew Harris, but they're healthy. Uh, they're rested. They're so focused. This team is so focused. Mike O'Shea has developed a, a kind of attention to detail here that I've never seen before. And, and it's just hard for me to see them going out there and having one of those kind of weird bad games that teams can have sometimes. 
they turn the ball over a bunch and all the rest of it, anything can happen. But uh, man, I, I just, I think the Bombers will win the game. I really do. If they lose, I'll be surprised, but I won't be shocked. Nothing would shock me, but uh, that's the way I see it. It's kind of like they play a three quarter game, Bob, because then they get into that fourth quarter and how I've, I remember six. How many points did they actually give up in the fourth quarter? Was well, it, it was six until the last game, and they gave up uh, 13 in the last game, that game yeah. in Calgary, when they were ahead 12-0 and lost 13-12. But, yeah, they were incredible in the fourth quarter. And part of that is the rotation they use on that defensive line. they got six guys there who play all play pretty well equal time, believe it or not. Even uh, Jefferson and Jeffcoat uh, spell out of the game. And they believe that keeps them fresh and strong, and, and that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons why they're so strong in the fourth quarter. I, was just, really I just saw myself in the screen and I was wondering, okay, I, can, I think people can, people can see me fidgeting here. I'm giving my dog a, dog a tummy tickle just in case people are wondering what I am doing here. Um, I just had to give her another plug too. Um, <laughs> I was going to mention those, that, Bob, those Bombers offensive and defensive lines are so formidable. Do you see a way that they are all, they all could be vulnerable to whatever the Rough Riders throw at them on Sunday? Well, the Riders have good defensive front. I mean, that's a very good pass rush that they have. So, but you know, Hardrick and Bryant at the tackles and, and the guards are good. Pat Newfeld, a good Saskatchewan boy. And uh, Drew Desjarlais, who's really good. What a draft pick he turned out to be. And then Michael Couture at center. You know, the strength of the Bomber team is their offensive and defensive lines. You guys know that. So, yeah, I don't know what sort of blitzes Saskatchewan might come up with uh, to kind of throw them off. But in terms of, and, and Micah Johnson and those guys, can they can come after anybody and create havoc. There's no doubt about that. But the Bomber O-line is so good. It's the best in the league, in my opinion, that uh, I don't think that would be one of their concerns. They know Saskatchewan has a formidable defensive front, but I think they can handle that. Uh, and then, to me, the other key is can Saskatchewan's O-line handle Winnipeg's defensive front where, you know, those four guys are coming hard and then you got Big Hill looping around and blitzing and the things that they do. Brandon Alexander will come rolling up from safety and uh, and blitz and uh, they just created havoc for offenses all season long with that. Bob, one of the topics here was after the All-Stars were announced was the snubs in Saskatchewan, only two for a 9-5 team. The Blue Bombers yeah. had 15. Was any guys snubbed? <laughs> any of the bombers snubbed you mean yeah. <laughs> was anybody we well, missed <laughs> yeah no i understand leonard being upset because he had all those sacks but i mean i don't know i, I guess when the voting was done i think the bombers were 11 and 1 and they were outscoring their opponents by more than 2 to 1 and so that really influenced the voters i suspect jeff coat and jefferson had great years they had great years jeff coat has become as a matter of fact we'd go to uh, on the road and play other teams and the first guy they'd mention is Jeff Coat, not Jefferson. They talk wow. about Jeff Coat and the year he was having, and he had a wonderful year. Never mind the numbers; uh, he's a he's a wrecker. He messes things up, uh, so he's a really special player. He's a he's become a very special player. And Willie's Willie, right? You know he's, yeah. you know you don't see him maybe for two or three series, and then he's knocking a ball down or making a big play somewhere. So, yeah, I, I think when a team has a terrific record, they they automatically get a lot of all-stars, although 15 is a lot. There's no doubt about it. And I can understand, you know, some of the players in the league feeling they got snubbed. I get that. Really, <laughs> Jack Kalaros is probably going to be named the most outstanding player in the league. Uh, when in Saskatchewan, he threw nine touchdown passes and 13 interceptions and had two yeah. concussions, at least two. Uh, what has happened to Zach Kalaros in, in Winnipeg to turn him into such a, well, the kind of player that people were seeing in 2014, 20, uh, 2015? 
I would simply say it's the offensive system and the things they they let him do. Uh, you know, everything. He's never said this to us openly, but reading between the lines, I think he felt sort of handcuffed with the offensive system they ran that year in Saskatchewan. Um, but he's been turned loose by Buck Pierce. Uh, Paul Lapolis last year was the offensive coordinator and Buck was his right-hand man. And he he's also got a great comfort level here with Mike O'Shea. Remember now, when Zach came into the league, Mike O'Shea was an assistant coach in Toronto, so they know each other. Uh, and when Zach came here, uh, I guess you'd have to spend as much time around O'Shea as I do to, to understand how comfortable players feel when they arrive here and they talk to O'Shea and they get a sense for how things work here. And they go, all right, that's cool. And right from day one, Calera said, man, this is the place to be. This is really a special place in terms of how the players are dealt with and handled. And there's leaders here and leaders there and, and everybody's on the same page and, and following the same edicts and everything else. And then the system they run here is I think right up Zach's alley, you know, he's, He's, he can throw a deep. I mean, the Bombers had more deep throws this year than they had all of last year. And they only played 13 games. So, or 14 games, rather. Uh, he's just, I don't know, it's just been a good fit for him. That's all. And uh, he's a happy guy. He loves it here. Is Andrew Harris going to play, do you think? Well, as we speak, he hasn't practiced in five weeks. Uh, and I don't know how a running back wow. who's, got a, who's got a leg injury of some kind, it's well hidden, uh, it's either a knee or a hamstring or something. How a running back who hasn't practiced or run, as far as we know, for five weeks can step in and play after practicing for three days, if in fact he even practices this week, and we don't know that. So will he play? I don't think so. Would I be surprised if he does? Not a bit. Because Andrews, he's an amazing guy. You know, he he, he missed the first three games of the year. And he came back and like he hadn't missed a step at 34 years of age. He's a terrific athlete. He's a far better athlete, I think, than people realize. So I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it out of the question uh, that he would play. But as of now, I don't know. I just don't know. Kudos to the Bombers organization for having the two Canadians that are backing up. Yeah, I know Brady is, and I'm sure is Augustine. Is he here? I can't remember. Is Augustine yeah, no, Johnny Augustine played the last game in Calgary, and he rushed for 150 yards, okay. and he looked like the second coming of somebody. I mean, he was fabulous. Anytime, and last year in the uh, two years ago in the game in Regina, remember when Harris was suspended, he had a big game. He rushed for over 100 yards. He's a terrific back, and Brady Oliveira has been everything they hoped he would be when they drafted him. So they're in unbelievable shape. Uh, with three Canadians. Now, here's the thing about Andrew. And Michael Shea said this over and over again. The one thing about Andrew that just amazes him, he never misses an assignment. And by that, I mean he's always in the right place at the right time. If he's to pick up a blitz, he always gets it. And that's critically important. And that's the one part of, of his game that they would miss the most. Uh, because Andrew is always, always where he should be picking up the guy he should be picking up. And that's overlooked often, uh, but it's one thing O'Shea just raves about how smart he is in that regard. One of the well, issues you're, that's you're been brought up is that the the Riders may have an advantage and they are fresher. They've just played a playoff game and have that playoff edge, whereas yeah. the Bombers haven't played a meaningful game since oh, whenever, since Murray had hair. So yeah. um, <laughs> hey, <I got laughs> do you see that being a factor at all? <laughs> I don't know, Rob. That's one of those ones that you, you're just never sure about, right? Because last year the Bombers... Had to go on the road and win a semifinal game, and then a week later win a game in Regina, and a week later play a Great Cup game, and so they they got on a roll. And uh, 
You know, you can argue that many different ways. I don't know. I don't think it'll affect the Bombers. I really don't. I think the Riders will have some pretty good feelings about themselves after the game against Calgary, because that was a beauty. It was one of those great Canadian footballing games that we all love. Uh, so I'm not sure how that'll work out. I, I would say this, though. I don't see the Bombers uh, being hurt by the time off. Although if they lose the game, that'll everybody go, oh, you see, they had the bye, it killed them. They lost their momentum and all that. I mean, I can, I can, I can hear the stories already. <laughs> Bob, you're kind of an insider on this. I look at the two secondaries and wonder which one do you think, I know the, the Blue Bombers, which one is better in your mind? Are they, is, there a, is there a difference? I know because we talk about the front lines, we talk about linebackers. Yeah. What's going on with the defensive backfields on these teams? Well, Winston Rose came back for the Bombers, Marie, and, and that was, you know, a huge addition. He was a, an all-star in 19 at nine interceptions. So they've yeah. now they moved those other two guys to the, or one of them rather, Dietrich Nichols, one of the rookies to the other side. And then DeAndre Alford also went over to the other corner. I think that the difference maybe between the two is Brandon Alexander. Uh, Brandon Alexander has become hell on wheels back there at safety for the Bombers. Really, they moved him there late in 2019. They moved him from halfback to safety, and it's a natural fit for him, and he's a leader. He communicates back there brilliantly with everybody. He's got everybody in the right spot. He gets those young guys lined up right. Uh, I just think he's he's become an all-star player. He could have been the Bombers' outstanding defensive player nominee. That's how good he's been this year. So, uh, yeah, but I know Saskatchewan secondary is good too. I'm a big Ed Gainey fan. I think Marshall's as good as there are in this league. I don't think there's a better corner than Marshall in this league. So, yeah, I don't think there's much, you know, probably not a lot to, to give between the two secondaries. What if it comes down to a field goal and you've got uh -huh. Brett Lothar? <laughs> yeah. What if it's a game comparable to this past Sundays yeah. when it's a kicking contest? Does that good. then become advantage Saskatchewan? Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, Sergio Castillo, who the Bombers brought in late, uh, did kick three field goals, four field goals in Calgary, and he made uh, three long ones on a cold day. It was minus nine that day in Calgary, the last game of the season, and he made a 50-yarder. So the Bombers were encouraged by that because prior to that, their place kicking had been a nightmare, an absolute yeah. nightmare. And despite that, they were winning all these games, which is hard to imagine in the league. And their punting game is it's pretty average. Mark Leggio had a good game in Calgary again, one of his better ones, but... Uh, no, there, there's, although you don't have John Ryan, so you've lost something there. But Lowther's a, a, he's one of the best place kickers in the league and a guy you can really count on. But, you know, Castillo, before he went down south, uh, had the all-star year in BC, made, what, 89% of his field goals. So I think he's a proven commodity. I know the Bombers feel comfortable with him, certainly more than they did before. But, no, I think you'd have to give the edge in the kicking to Saskatchewan for sure. Because that was what we used to try, try to find a hole in the Blue Bombers. We would say, yes! The kicking game, yeah. the punting game, yeah. but now they they can they plug those ones up pretty well. So I think that's looks like they have, yeah, yeah. Where are they vulnerable? I don't see it. I just don't do not see it. Well, I don't either. You know, people say where's their weakness, and you know, most teams have one. I don't see one, and I yeah, I guess I sound like a guy who's in Winnipeg, but uh, you know, when they were when they were eleven and one, it wasn't by accident. Uh, as I say, they were outscoring teams by a two to one margin, and. Uh, you know, their secondary is good. Their linebackers are good. Kyrie Wilson's maybe the most underrated linebacker in the league, in my opinion. And he missed the first six or seven games, but he's back playing. Their O-line is outstanding. Their running backs are good. Their receivers, Kenny Lawler had a breakout year. Um, you know, Nick Dembski, I think, is had his best year ever. Uh, so Rasheed Bailey really came on this year as a, as a top-notch receiver. And they... 
They play physical, the receivers. They like to block. Uh, Darvin Adams had a down year for him. Uh, it became almost a forgotten man, but uh, I think at the start of the year, we would have wondered about their receiving core a little bit, but the way uh, Rasheed Bailey and Lawler and Dembski have sort of upped their games has taken that concern away. So here's the one area, okay? It's the one area. If anything happens to Zach Calaris, yeah. that, that's not going to be good news for the Bombers. So Sean McGuire will play. He's He got hurt in this in the last game, second last game, uh, but he's going to play on Sunday. He'll be the backup. Uh, yeah, but, but you know, it's it's not like the Riders aren't in the same situation. If something no, happens to Cody Fajardo, it's not like yeah. once upon a time if something if Tom Clements was having a bad game, there's John Huffnagel coming yeah. in, you know, no, or right. if the Riders had that situation. If Joe Barnes was having a bad day, bad game, mm-hmm. in comes John Huffnagel. There's no yeah. Ken Austin, Tom Burgess. There's no double two-headed quarterback in either market, and that well, no, and the Bombers change nine, everything. The Bombers in '19 had uh, when Matt Nichols got hurt, they had Chris Trevler. You know, it was very serviceable, right? And then they brought in um, Zach Calaris, but they had, you know, they had Strebler and Calaris. So, yeah, you're right. The Riders are in the same situation. But you asked me where the Bombers are vulnerable. That's where they're vulnerable if well, something ha- happens to Calaris. I hate to say this, Bob, but I hear the play-by-play guy is kind of old. Yeah, he is. He's more yeah. than kind of old. He's very <laughs> old, as a matter of fact. But you know what? He's got one game left in him and, and one good one. <laughs> this week like Bob I mean, when I asked you to do this I almost felt I felt audacious but I also felt I had to do it I thought everybody's going to be pulling Bob in 48 different directions and here I am asking to, him to do a podcast which isn't just a quick in and out um what what's even just leading up to Sunday how many what, what's life is Bob Irving like right now well I have been I have been pretty busy Rob I've I've done a lot of interviews on our own radio station I'm going to be on a bunch of other radio stations uh, before the week is out and I'm trying to kind of pick and choose but I have a hard time saying no because what we what we're doing here is like I ask you guys to help me out on the broadcast and then how can I say no when you you know it's the reciprocal thing I talked about and that's one of the beauties I think of the people uh in the in the Canadian Football League who cover the league we're always prepared to help one another out so yeah, I'm being pulled in a lot of directions. I'm trying to get my as much prep done as I can before the weekend so that uh, when Sunday rolls around, uh, I've got most of it done and I can just kind of relax a bit and then get ready for the game. It's so good to hear you still do prep, because you could kind of mail it in <laughs> Sunday and no one would say a word. Uh, check's still coming for Sunday's game, Bob. doesn't matter. Go, yeah, still yeah it, does matter. It, it does matter. <laughs> it does matter. It matters what we put out there, right? And uh, I, I'm big on prep. I... You know, I'm not great for flying by the seat of my pants. I, I like to have everything kind of set up for. I got a weird looking depth chart. My my family, my wife looks at it and she's, how can you read any of that? And I say, well, it doesn't matter if you can read it as long as I can read it, right? Then, I, then I'm in good shape. So, and the other prep that I do is uh, on our pregame show, I edit and record all the interviews. So I got to spend a lot of time doing that. That's what takes more time than anything is getting the interviews edited and uh, and loaded to run in our pregame show and as many as 12 or 14 we run in that pregame show so that's a big part of the work but uh, i've already got a leg up on some of that so i'll be in good shape you know i said to the station and i'm going to the gray cup next week and that might be the only guy they send even if the bombers are in it i said well that's fine it's my last week i'm alive you can work me you can work me to the bone and then i'll just drop dead and you'll say well we got every ounce out of that guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, what do you Bob, think it's going to be like next of, year at this time, Bob, or next season? Like, will you be in the stands or will you be on the 
15th green or what what is yeah. what is the 2022 season going to be like for you we hope to see you at great cup next uh next uh november here yeah i kind of like to be there too i don't know people a lot of people have asked me that I, i'll go to the games as as long as we're here we'll be here most of the summer so i'll go to the games i'll probably sit in the press box i might sit in the stands i don't know i'll see but uh, i won't lose interest in the league or the bombers uh, you know, I'll be following them very closely. And I'm a Canadian Football League junkie. I love the league, all its sham and drudgery and broken dreams. It's still a beautiful <laughs> thing, as I steal that from the Desert Arata. Uh, so I'll be around, you know. I just won't be – I'll be able to make my own schedule. And I won't have to go to practice if I want to go golfing. And that's the sort of freedom I'm looking forward to, as much as I'll miss it. Well, that's my kind of freedom. Flying. I just tell Murray to go to practice. And I sit here with the dog doing podcasts. <laughs> this is great. Murph, sorry. You, you mentioned flying, Bob, and part of your nickname is Knuckles. How did you yeah. do that? Uh, you don't, you still, do you, have you grown accustomed to flying or is it still a uh, thing you put well, up I've, with? I've grown accustomed to it for sure. Uh, but I, you know, I'm a fearful flyer. I, I don't know how to say it beyond that and it doesn't get any better if anything it gets worse it's one of the reasons i'm going to be relieved not to have to do that anymore um i need to take a drink or two before i get on a plane and then when i'm on there i don't stop right and uh, and it's an unhealthy way to live uh but look i i cope with it and you mm. you know if you're going to do what i do you have to cope with that and i so i've been able to cope with it but it's a problem and it's one of the one of the reasons not the main reason but it's one of the reasons uh that it's time to time to step aside. I was nicknamed Knuckles, by the way, by Jack Wells, who <laughs> saw me on an airplane back. This is the early '70s when I first started, and I was holding onto the seat. You know how you nick the white knuckler, right? Which you never hear that term anymore. But Jack goes, "Oh, what's the matter, Bob?" I said, "Well, I don't, I don't like flying, Jack." He says, "Oh, you got white knuckles." And there was Knuckles from there on. Cactus Jack gave it to me. That, well, Greg, that's where my nickname came from. <laughs> Greg Drennan told me a story about, and you're free to confirm or deny or no comment, but yeah. Greg Drennan told me a story that once upon a time during the old Skyriders tour that they bribed the pilot or, or, the, or one of the flight attendants <laughs> to every five minutes throw an empty beer can uh, back from the cockpit into the aisles so that just for the sheer purpose of alarming you at 20,000 feet. No, no. Was, it, true or false? That, that's false because I'll tell you why that's false. I never went on those Skywriters things because <laughs> oh, because because it's of the flying. Story. Yeah, it's a great story, and Greg would tell that story. <laughs> so I won't, but it's not true. I never I I missed all those Skywriters things, and I wish I hadn't because I know they were a lot of fun. The guys told me stories about those trips, but uh, I never went on any of them because of that. Greg oh. told me a story as well. They, they went on a bender one night on the Skywriters tour. I'm meandering yeah. here, I apologize, but it's a great anecdote. Um, they get into their hotel rooms about three or four after a night at the bar. And as Greg is trying to put his key in the lock of his, of his uh, hotel room door, this guy basically collapses out of the elevator, crawls to his room, somehow lets himself in. The next morning, Greg gets to the airport, boards the plane, and the guy that was crawling to his room was sitting in the cockpit. Hence my concerns about flying. <laughs> Bob, we just got a little more, a little touch of a little seriousness here. What, what's the crowd count for this weekend? You know, we saw a lot of empty seats, and, and Hamilton was pretty good, but a lot of empty mm -hmm. seats here, maybe 18,000. I know playoffs don't sell out anymore. I don't think that's just part of the reality, but. 
getting crowds like we've had have got to be concerned. What's it looking like for Winnipeg? Well, as, as we speak, it's about 29,000 now. I, I think they feel they'll hit 30 in the next day or two. So they're going to have a terrific crowd. Now, they've had lots of time to sell the game, which has been helpful, yep. obviously. They've known they're going to host this game for a month now. So that's been a big help to them. Although when they clinched uh, the West Division title, I think they were over 20,000 the, the day after. So, And then it slowly creeps up because you always sell the, you know, the first bunch right away. So they're going to be over 30. I don't know if it'll quite sell out, but it'll be a nice, big, loud, huge crowd. And uh, it's going to be a fabulous atmosphere. You guys know what it's like here when uh, the stadium's full. Same as Mosaic. And yeah, we were all stunned when we saw that small crowd uh, on the weekend. I don't know, maybe the fans there, they'd seen uh, Saskatchewan play Calgary, what, three times in the last five weeks. And there just was no novelty to it. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, they're going to have a big crowd here Sunday. It'll be great. Everyone asks us to something at the end here, but I will do it before the end, simply because I think the last word belongs to Bob Irving and not for something that we have to read. So if you could please bear with me, Bob, during this. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstoneatpostmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can also follow me, Rob, on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or Murray at Murray LP. Murray had a question there, and then I want to turn the turn it over to Bob because nobody's no. uh, nobody should close this one but Bob Bob Irving. I can't think of the question was sorry, but because that that was just <laughs> such a fitting way to send Bob off and on this <laughs> his first and last rider rumblings, I think. And well, uh, Bob, I just want to say as a member of the media. You're a gentleman. You've been so cool. I've loved going on your show. I've loved talking to Doug. I love the way you laugh on the radio. You keep it light. You keep it fun. You get serious. And I really hope you get to say, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to the Great Cup on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Murray and Rob, you're two of my favorite people. I Look, I'm a, a Saskatchewan native, and one of the highlights of every season is the Labor Day weekend game. It really is, uh, you know, I just love going up there for that game because of the atmosphere everywhere you go in Regina, it's green and white and the whole nine yards. And so the fact that the last game I do is Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, you talk about a perfect script, really, honest to God, it's perfect. And it's a Western final here in Winnipeg at IG Field. And so I can't think of a better way to go out. And I've loved every minute of what I've done. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss guys like you. I think, you know, athletes always say the thing they miss as much as anything is the camaraderie and being around the guys. Well, I'll miss being around the guys, the guys on the football beat. Those are, those are, that's our family, right? Uh, and so I'll miss that as much as I'll miss doing the games, but uh, life will go on and, uh, I'll be on a golf course somewhere, but uh, I'll be keeping a close eye on what the Bombers are doing and what what's going on in the Canadian Football League. And it's just been a sweet ride, uh, and uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I can't think of a better way to end it. Bob, we have enjoyed every minute, not only that you've uh, donated to us today, and, sh and this is a donation without a tax receipt, but uh, <laughs> we're so grateful that in this week of all weeks that you would you would uh, set aside some time for us and and moreover, I'm grateful for having listened to you long before I met you in 1966 and or 19, 1996. And uh, I think I can speak for everybody. It's just an absolute. I feel like I'm in the presence of royalty anytime around, uh -oh. around Bob Irving. And it's uh, I know everybody who's ever met you or listened to you feels the same way. So, Bob, on the, on behalf of I think CFL lovers everywhere um, and anybody who's ever had a little dial or uses digital now, uh, I think I can speak co confidently in, in thanking you not only for this time but for 
nearly 50 years of it. It's been an absolute joy. Well, those are very kind words, Rob. I thank you. And it's been a pleasure spending time with you and Murray. And I look forward to doing it again somewhere down the road. And Candy was pleased to meet you, too. (laughs) We were trying to make you cry, Bob, but we couldn't do it. I might cry on Sunday at the end of the postgame show. How's that? (laughs) All right. right. For, For Murray McCormick, for Candy, who we put to sleep, not because of Bob, uh, and for, for, the, for the wonderful Bob Irving, uh, I, I'm the other Robert from Regina, and uh, we'll do this again next week and talk about everything that we've, uh, we were trying to digest uh, on Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much, especially Bob, and uh, take care, everybody.